Hey, welcome to Adventures in Angular, the podcast where we keep you updated on all things Angular related. This show is produced by two companies, Top End Devs and Envoid. Top End Devs is where we create Top End Devs to get top end pay and recognition while working on interesting problems and making meaningful community contributions. And Envoid, with a U, U N V O I D, provides remote design and software development services on a performance basis, so clients only pay for delivered tasks. In today's episode, we'll talk about many topics, but mostly surrounding code documentation. We are here with the co-creator of CompoDoc, Vincent Oglobinski. Hello. <laughs> and well, um, my name is Lucas Paganini. I am the CEO of Envoid and your host in the podcast. And yes, let's get started. So Vincent, just to introduce everyone, could you provide everyone with a brief explanation of CompoDoc, what it is, which problems it solves? Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a command line tool you can install inside your Angular projects to generate very quickly a static documentation of all the code base, you, your Angular code base, which can be your components, your services, your, et cetera, your models, etc. And um, using using uh, parsing of code base and etc. We will see later. Uh, can generate a documentation like uh, in JavaScript or in other uh, languages, uh, uh, JavaDoc or JavaScript, Doc, etc. And to quickly find um, and having a correct uh, syntax and uh, documentation of uh, all the methods of uh, the services or, or component, uh, what, what are the outputs and inputs, and uh, etc. Okay, so um, let's let's talk a bit about JSDoc and TSDoc because I think this is an interesting concept for people to understand. So CompoDoc itself is not a language, is not a standard for how you document your projects. It is basically an extractor of your JSDoc or TSDoc tags and then it transforms this documentation that you wrote using JSDoc or TSDoc syntax into a website that people can navigate and you can make it publicly available or internally available in your organization so that other developers can understand your project. Is that it? Yes. It, we have uh, the source of truth is the code base. And after inside the code base, you you, mean, uh, you have uh, two main information for an example for a um, function. We have uh, maybe sometimes you have JS uh, doc commands, which can be uh, generated uh, automatically with an ID or maybe manual uh, with manual uh, writing from uh, the developer. And you have um, using TypeScript and the abstract syntax syntax tree of the code base, you can extract information about the typings of uh, everything inside the function or outside the function. And we use that to mix and uh, explain and uh, generate the documentation um, after. Interesting. So 
is not just what we explicitly write in our TS docs. It's also the types that you can extract using the TypeScript compiler. Is that it? Yes, it's the power of TypeScript uh, that you you, you ex- enhance the code base with uh, uh, static informations. Um, you can use that uh, on the code base side because it's inside the code, uh, so the file, the, so the source code, and uh, it's used. Uh, we are a tool which is not running um, um, in the browser in runtime, so you we rely on the static code base, so you have everything we we need to to find information. And uh, we have the chance to yes use that and uh, be able to generate and understand trying to understand it's uh, the most difficult part after um, the relations between everything. Okay. Um, when I think of code documentation and making uh, the documentation available for others to consume, I generally think of two scenarios. And I'm sure there are many others, but I generally think of those two, which are API documentation. And then in that case, you're actually documenting the routes that your application has, which verbs you can use to interact with those routes, which data you should uh, send and what you can expect to receive back. So that kind of documentation. And then you have documentation, which is, for example, for a library in which you're actually seeing the type signatures of each individual method or of the functions or classes that this particular library exposes. What we've been talking about thus far seems to me that CompoDoc is much more heavily focused on the last use case that I said, which in which you're actually documenting the signatures of the functions and methods of your direct code. So people are going to have direct access to your code. Um, But can and should it also be used to document other things such as API documentation? Or do you think that goes outside the scope of this? No, it's outside the scope because we are focused on on, uh, firstly on Angular project and and after we we enhance with um, Nest project and uh, Stencil projects also because they also rely on TypeScript, and we could, we, we will, will be able to generate we, what we want with uh, TypeScript uh, informations. And they are, yes, they are on NestJS is, is the backend framework, but it's the same ecosystem uh, or same structure at the beginning as like Angular. So it was very easy for us to to support this kind of project also. But the most of the time, it's yes. The second scenarios, it's a, a library or a, a set of components inside a, a specific uh, Angular uh, UI library. For example, we, I have some projects we use Compodoc because they open uh, on the inside the open source world of internally inside the company. They generate and they maintain a. Angular components code base for the company, and they uh, need to uh, to have a clear documentation of uh, each components and uh, what the other developer uh, needs to understand and find, uh, which are most of the time uh, 
what are the inputs and outputs of the components and uh, the methods available, uh, like the video tag inside the HTML. It's, uh, it's uh, the same uh, the same process. Okay. Um, you said that the inputs are the JS doc and TS doc and also the TypeScript types. What other information is used as inputs for a compo doc? I imagine that the folder structure, probably. No, no, because you try to be more uh, the most of the time agnostic of, from the structure of the um, the code base. We just try to we can have information with a TypeScript um, AST uh, and uh, import export uh, file, so we know. Uh, which uh, file is related, uh, directly linked or not with uh, everything. But um, try to add the, the trees, the structure, documentation. It's, it's most of the time focused on um, your components, your modules, your, uh, your services, uh, and after other uh, topics from uh, TypeScript, like uh, your... Your enums, uh, your types, your your classes, etc., and we just group them in, in uh, by type and uh, try to generate the documentation like this kind of uh, organ- tree organization for the documentation, and we just uh, enhance the ge- generated documentation with um, you can uh, enhance with other Markdown files to. Um, Add other uh, information, uh, static uh, information uh, about uh, the project, uh, the the library, etc. But the most of the time, it's the code base and uh, all the relations which are used. Nice. So, for example, um, if there's a particular file in my code base that doesn't follow the Angular folder structure, which is, for example, having uh, a an individual file for each component, each module, each service. Let's say that I have a file that actually declares three components or three services or two components and one service. That is not going to be a problem with CompoDoc because it doesn't assume any particular file structure. Hmm. No, no, the, the link to the file uh, source code will be the same just for the three components, but... Uh... Yes, it's not a it's not a problem, or it's not uh, our main focus for us. Okay, let's talk about the presentation of the docs, because I can see that CompoDoc has a default template that comes with it. But what if, and I imagine that a lot of people will want that. What if they want to have a different interface for the code that is outputted from company we try to fo- to supply uh, different teams and after you have the, the option to supply other um, CSS files and uh, other static size maybe I don't remember but you can uh, change the design of the generated documentation to match uh, for example your your internal company um, Design, etc. If if you need or or the project um, to to don't uh, have a default team uh, like other project, for example, for and the teams they are all provided and maintained and created directly by the Compo Doc creators, or it is there like an open standard for um, 
support documentation teams, because I know that there are a lot of other tools that generate code documentation. So I was wondering if there's a particular standard format in which those docs can be outputted so that we can reuse teams that were created for other tools. No, no, no. It's a problem of our ecosystem. It's uh, most of the time, uh, everything is... uh... Um, uh, locked with uh, the tool or the because uh, as a system you use, etc. So maybe it could be fine, but uh, having standards for the code base it, it's a big uh, problem and a big uh, topic uh, uh, today. So maybe if we just now add, uh, and I think. Um, Guys behind the JSDoc and type uh, TypeDoc or JSDoc are working to enhance uh, the JSDoc with uh, other way to generate and uh, create uh, comments and uh, generate other uh, standards to be able to parse them uh, better. But on on the end side of the generated documentation, now we are we are stuck with. Uh, what uh, each uh, tool uh, can generate. And what about custom teams? What if I want to build a specific design just for the docs of my library? How hard is it? Uh, we are relying on the Underbars library for the templating uh, system. So uh, sometimes there is an option you can provide uh, another Underbars template to override the default template. Maybe if you the structure of the component templates you don't like it, you can uh, enhance or override it to uh, to generate the, and uh, modify this uh, this uh, this page. And uh, just uh, that the structure of the template with Underbars template and the CSS after if you, uh, you want to change. Uh, the colors, the teams, etc. Okay. What if I want to use Angular to to render the documentation? How would well, you could also that? because um, we generate the default outputs are HTML pages with uh, static files like uh, G- JavaScript and uh, uh, CSS. And we can generate JSON file with all the generated information we have found and uh, the structure uh, we can use uh, inside the documentation. So may, you can use the, this JSON to generate another interface uh, for your documentation if you need. Okay. So the path there would be you export only the JSON format and then you just go crazy trying to, to actually build a UI from it. Okay. Uh, Interesting. In our ecosystem and yeah, in software industry, you have to be sometimes open-minded to uh, crazy ideas, and you don't, you can't uh, uh, have uh, all the ideas at the beginning of the project. So it's not difficult for us to generate a JSON file. So we generate, and after you do what you want with uh, with that. Nice. Okay. Um, and how? Type safe is that JSON file? Like, can I import um, type declarations from CompoDoc that gives me strict type definitions for the structure of this JSON file to make sure that I'm treating all possible edge cases? Uh, maybe I. It's, um, 
it's, uh, it was last year I worked on this feature, so I don't remember everything. But yes, I rely on the type of JSON to to explain um, statically the, the structure of the JSON. So it's like um, the Angular. Um, uh, don't remember. Uh, the Angular CLI is, has the same um, kind of, of uh, files or structure, but we try to be uh, in the same uh, philosophy. Okay. And you said that it was built mainly for Angular code bases, but now you actually support other code bases such as Nest and Stencil. Um, why those two? I mean, Nest is kind of obvious. <laughs> the, the structure is almost the same. Um, but I must say that I'm not very familiar with Stencil. So why that one? Because it's it's they are web components. So they are just like web Angular components. So it was, and it was based on the TypeScript code. So it was easier, uh, easiest for, for us to... And I think at the, at this time I was working on some stencil projects, so it was oh cool. <laughs> Can I have a documentation for that? Okay, I will enhance uh, Componoc uh, in uh, one or two days, and I, I will be that also. So it was a, a cross uh, cross story of uh, two uh, two needs. Gotcha, gotcha. So there was personal interest, but also it wasn't that far from um, from the needs of Angular code bases. Makes sense. Interesting. Um, how would I add extra inputs that maybe don't exist in TSDoc or JSDoc natively? So I understand that TSDoc and JSDoc, they have a um, limited set of tags that I can use to mark the contents of my doc. But what if I want to add a particular information, but the tag for that simply doesn't exist? Uh, we don't have that. We don't have that at uh, this time. And we, we, we try to support uh, the most used uh, TSDoc and GSDoc um, uh, tags available, and uh, I don't, I don't see uh, directly. I don't have uh, the feedback from uh, using. Uh, maybe I don't remember, but it was uh, yes. It's a good question because I couldn't have uh, something uh, a generic uh, code base who can use that to to support uh, this kind of feature. But it's very difficult because after we have to mix and try to plug um, what the information you have put in your tag and uh, the relation with the code base after and uh, and what you want to explain, etc. So or maybe it's, it can be available, but uh, I, I'm, I'm a bit skeptic about uh, how we could build to be... Um, not too focused and not too generic. It's uh, always the same balance. Makes sense. For example, it, if a team has that particular need, then they are probably an exception. Um, but if they are such an exception, they will probably understand that they're not going to find a team that outputs that information because it's created particularly for their needs. So do you know if in the JSON 
file that can be outputted from CompoDoc. If CompoDoc doesn't recognize a tag, is it included in the JSON or is it excluded from the JSON? Because that could be a way for people that if they want to render an information that is outside of the standard JS doc, JS doc, at least they have this path of, hey. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. We, um, if we don't know the tag, we exclude it. Uh, we, do, we exclude the comments of the tag. We don't exclude the function or the, or the method or the, the parameter, etc., or the property. Uh, but we could, for example, uh, supply a feature or an option to say, okay, uh, give me a list of uh, custom tags you, you want to, to add to the internal um, code base of, of Compodoc. And after, when we see that, we, we, do, we use them uh, as a standard doc, uh, comments, etc. But most of the time, uh, People just want to tag this, um, something uh, internal, deprecated or uh, private, etc. And uh, just these three three tags used, and uh, and after uh, the rest is uh, default, uh, public by default, etc. It depends. Just a Pareto rule, right? So okay, and in any case, I imagine that people can also just have a markdown file. And then they can, um, the markdown files, they are going to be included in the final output. So if I have like a readme in a particular folder, is that included in the final website? We, we paused and tried to find uh, at the root of the project a readme file. And after we support the, the structure of uh, maybe you can uh, add a, a specific markdown for a specific component, for example, at the root of this folder uh, where there is a component. And if we detect one markdown here, we add another tab in the component uh, pages where you can, you can add the details uh, and the markdown uh, uh, text inside to have a, a focused uh, documentation of a specific component, for example. So, uh, for example, uh, which is uh, the main topic of this component or the main use case, etc. And you can explain it uh, inside this, uh, this markdown. And it can be uh, very focused and very uh, uh, located inside this uh, component page. All right. Um, let's bring back a bit the topic of use cases. When we were talking about use cases, uh, my question was mainly... Um, if it could be used for API docs or not, and we already concluded that no, it doesn't make sense for that. But in the topic of use cases, I think we can talk a little bit more about to whom this is interesting, because it's obviously interesting to authors of open source libraries. Um, but I don't think that we, at least for me, uh, as an Angular developer, I didn't yet felt convinced that I should use CompoDoc in my private Angular project. And just to, for example, um, I don't know, I think it, it actually is going to depend on the interdependencies that your team has with other teams. But maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. Like, 
from your perspective, when do you think it makes sense for a team to use CompoDoc? And when do you think it doesn't make sense outside of the obvious use case, which is open source libraries? I think um, when you are just um, one or two people inside the team, maybe you don't need, but we discussed that uh, before. Uh, maybe maybe you are one or two people and the one or two people 10 months later will thanks the one who are here to just add uh, some remarks and documentation about the, the project and etc. to understand uh, why they choose this, uh, this algorithm at, at this time and why not this one, etc. And after maybe... Most of the time, if the team grows uh, with uh, three, five, ten, or uh, twenty people, or just five people, but relying with other internal projects or other projects, maybe it's most of the time it's better for everyone to have uh, a documentation and something to, to understand uh, very quickly. But uh, I'm an evangelist around the the, set, the, the way that. The most of the time, the source of truth and the only source of truth is the code base and the better way to, to understand and to find a way to, when you enter a new project, um, as a developer, the first side, uh, the first, um, way you can enter inside this project is to clone the code base and after discover the code. Uh, maybe you can have uh, other um, uh, documentation of files or topics or uh, explaining other files. But for us, for our developers, it's the code base. And after entering inside a big, big code base, it's always better to to start with the documentation. And after you will focus on the, maybe on one part of the project and you will see this part of the code base or just uh, try to discover every folder, every structure, etc. But uh, it is for that the best practices around uh, structure, code base, etc. are very important to, fo- to, to rely because uh, it can help uh, you 10 months later or your teammate and uh, all other, other teams uh, after. And bringing to your current reality of teams using CompoDoc, um, you currently work at Orange, mm-hmm. right? Which is this gigantic, for those of you that might not be um, aware of it, Orange is a gigantic telecommunications company, mainly operating in mm-hmm. Europe. Is that right? In the... Okay. And... Uh, mainly, mainly. But we are, we are not other um, international countries also, but... Um mainly in Europe. And it's an absolutely gigantic company, which I imagine has dozens, if not hundreds of teams and thousands of different projects. So how is the usage of CompoDoc and other documentation tools in such big enterprise scenarios? Um most of the time it depends on the of the on the team on the um, uh, if they are junior developers or senior developer etc and they, how they can uh, use this kind of tool and 
how they can use it very quickly and uh, they understand the, the benefits of having it. Uh, sometimes uh, it depends on the, the size of the project and uh, it's very uh, focused on it's very uh, closed or with just two people and, and it is for myself, for example, a research project. Uh, we don't need documentation. We just need a little readme at the, at the root of the project and uh, it, it just works fine. And after, may, if the project grows or um, it's, there is more people inside the team uh, and you, you work with other team or you supplying an internal library, etc. In every um, Angular of GES or etc., we, we always um, recommend to generate uh, and uh, provide the documentation for for other teams. And I think it's a, a standard, it's a bit a best practice practices which is um, very uh, known and uh, used uh, in, uh, in many teams. But it's not. Um a hard requirement. Um, for example, it's more like a recommendation. So there are going to be projects that, that don't use it. It's okay. a, it's always the um, same thing. You, it's always difficult to, <clears throat> to put, uh, inside the project, uh, or inside our ecosystem, our front-end ecosystem, um, inside a team and a new project to say, okay, you have to use that, 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 etc. It's better to say, okay, generate the documentation, use uh, the tool you want, uh, Compodot, DocuSaurus, uh, TSDoc, uh, TypeDoc, etc., what you want. We don't, we just need the documentation. Uh, if it's just Markdown, etc., you, it's your problem to generate it uh, and maintain it uh, the easiest way. And that, um, we don't try to mandate uh, everything because, uh, as a developer, we need to be um, open and not uh, stressed by all oh, many tools, many uh, many things that can uh, don't uh, give us uh, uh, way uh, a sense of freedom. After right. uh, after right. it's re- our responsibility as a developer or as a team to uh, provide something uh, which is a uh, correctly uh, like a product uh, production uh, or very. Um, robust product. Okay, um, that makes sense. And what about versioning? What if you, for example, open source libraries, they are going to have multiple different versions of the library. Every time there's a release, they're not just going to put it on master and let continuous deployment um, deploy that. They're actually going to tag the release. So how can they... Um, does I think my question is mostly... Does CompoDoc offers any utilities to facilitate the process of versioning in the documentation, or is this up to the developers to actually um, build the documentation of all the different versions and deploy them to the correct domain? Yes, there was an issue uh, many years before around this topic, and... Our position was to keep it simple, stupid for our site. So it, it's not the most of the time the best way for the end users. But we tried to say, okay, we, we generate something at uh, one time for one code base. 
as a end-to-end -end user, you have to to maintain and use and, uh, de and uh, generate what you need for your version. And uh, if you have a five version, etc., then try to build a script that uh, generate for each version. Or uh, if you have uh, odd fixes, etc., to regenerate this documentation for this version. And host it in other in a subfolder of your main documentation. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's more up to the mm. developers to decide how they want to to handle that. Okay. And I think my last big question with regards to CompoDoc is roadmap. Um, is it still under active de development? Is it more in a maintenance state? And if it's being actively developed, what do you see for the future of CompoDoc? Uh, I have, I have some, I have time to work on that, and then I try to actively maintain it. But uh, try the main features are for me are here. We just have to to supply and uh, support the, every. Um, New uh, major or minor versions of Angular and um, major or main feature or main uh, API is are deprecated. For example, uh, modules maybe in uh, later this year or next year will not be monetary and will not be. Uh, the best way to structure the products, etc., and we have to uh, maintain and uh, update a CompuDoc to to follow the same roadmap of Angular. And I think uh, the, we have a, a big issue uh, inside the code base around um, supporting all the routing uh, structure you can have on your products. So it's a very difficult uh, topic because. Uh, as we we are relying on, on the source code and the way all people are writing their rules, etc., it's very difficult for us to find everything and to find the, all the relation between all the rules. So it's a, a big topic for us to maybe um, rewrite this um, this part. And the other main part for this year or next year is to rebuild the um, we can generate a, um, a graphic of uh, the relation between all your modules to understand uh, which is uh, the parent of uh, another module, etc. And we'll, we'll, we'll try to rebuild it or uh, support the standalone components and uh, try to understand uh, or maybe if each component, if, we, if, if you have just uh, standalone components in your application, if there are relation uh, just by templating or not, and uh, try to rebuild a graphic, uh, a very uh, mind map graphic of uh, that uh, uh, later. Uh, you said that there are issues with the way that people are um, implementing their routes. And that made me think of analog. I don't know if you ever play with it, but it's this framework on top of, it's a meta framework on top of Angular, which basically eases all the pains of creating statically generated 
uh, websites with Angular. So React got a lot of tools that made it easier for people to actually just build websites with React. Because quite frankly, neither React or Angular or Vue, they were not created for websites. They were created for things more complex than that. But um, people get used to those tools. And then when you try to just build a simple website without them, well, (laughs) you know what happened. Everybody wanted to actually use those uh, those tools for things that were not uh, the main use case. And they wanted to build websites with them. So for React, we had a lot of tools that allowed this process to be easier, like Gatsby and Next.js, which made it way, way easier to pre-render and just create static files from your original React source code. And Angular didn't have that thus far. And then Analog filled that gap. And the way that it does that is by also, not just by that, but one of the things that it introduces is file-based routing. So instead of actually declaring your routes as an array, as we're used to in our Angular applications, you can just have a file, just like you would have with, uh, with Next. And then this file is going to be interpreted by analog and turned into an actual page in the generated output. So would that be a big problem for CompoDoc, for example? No, no, we just have to understand uh, how it works and uh, how we can could support it, if not, uh, and how it can uh, help our uh, internal um, model of uh, routing support. All, uh, or enhance it and uh, maybe uh, I don't know and I will have a check after but it's um, it's always difficult to to because we we rely on static code base and uh, TypeScript uh, information etc and uh, the abstract uh, syntax tree and after we try to to make a relation and understand relation, but it's uh, sometimes difficult to to plug everything. Yeah, definitely. And the ecosystem is always growing, right? So it's not even feasible to say that a particular technology is just going to support everything. But yeah, it's interesting to know that the way that CompoDoc was built is like it, from what I understood, it doesn't currently support that use case, but also it wouldn't be too hard to add support for something like that. I'm, uh, I'm, I always try to talk to to say uh, keep it simple, stupid, uh, if you can, because uh, if it's too complicated or it's too, uh, you have a big code base and a big tool after it's uh, unmaintainable and. Uh, too complicated to to build or to uh, to update, and so you have to to, to choose uh, or to to make decisions sometimes, and it's difficult. Definitely, but I like that, and I think this is a good advice from a senior developer. There's this joke, right, where like you're the path from junior to play, and then senior is the junior. Um, wants to do things the simpler, the simplest way possible, but most of the time is because that's the path that uh, that he or she knows. It's not that 
they want the simplicity. Most often is more like they don't really know how to do it in a more complex way. And then the plain developer learns about all the uh, all the patterns and all the cool things and the new technologies. And then they go into this path of introducing a lot of complexity. And then when you reach senior level, you're kind of back to the original thought, which was just make it simple, stupid. Uh, but I, now you I actually not, have... I was not saying that sometimes you, you have to have a simplicity everywhere. You can abstract complexity with simplicity uh, at, the, at the top level. But uh, if you can uh, have something which is sim- more simpler inside your code base or inside your projects, etc., use it or try because uh, for you, for your team, uh, 10 months or two years later, uh, it will be better for everyone. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Um, I think we can start wrapping up. We're already 42 minutes thus far. And honestly, it didn't felt like that. It was a very light and easy conversation. So actually, thank you, Vincent, for having so much to bring to the Thanks table. Thanks for having me. It was um, a pleasure. Yeah. And, but before we actually just um, finish up, is there anything that you would like to promote or maybe just yourself, <laughs> like content that you create? What would you like to share with the audience? Not, uh, not really a particular project. Uh, just, just go on uh, the import source project if you want to fill an issue or uh, pull request or my project or other projects. Uh, it's always a pleasure as a maintainer to have feedbacks, uh, bad or good, uh, to to give to give information and help uh, everyone or another, another issue, help another developer, uh, or another project. Uh, it's uh, always a uh, the problem of our open source ecosystem, it's, uh, we are relying on, on the time of uh, software developer for, from their side project or from their free time. And uh, sometimes uh, a little help uh, or little message or little feedback, uh, just a message can be uh, very uh, powerful for us. Definitely, definitely. And where can people find you? Like in which networks you're most active? Uh, on Twitter. Oh. Okay. Okay. So Vincent Oglobinski on Twitter. Awesome. Um, Vincent. Okay. Oh, and in my end, I'm only going to quickly promote my company, of course. So if any of you has a software project and you are looking to either outsource that or to extend your team of developers, we work on a performance-based model, which means that clients only pay when tasks are delivered. So if it takes us more hours than we anticipated, that's our problem. That's not your problem. And you should, you as a client should not care about that. You actually pay by the value that we deliver and not by the amount of work that it took for us to deliver. So yeah, if you're interested in that, you can go to unvoid.com and check out uh, how we do that and reach out to us. Again, this is unvoid.com with U and void. So opposite of void. Um, and yeah, I think this is all for me. 
Vincent, again, thank you so much for your time. It was lovely to meet you. And yeah, man, come back more often. Thanks. Have a nice day. Bye.